Welcome to the Demand Generation Club Podcast, the first podcast dedicated exclusively to SaaS B2B demand gen secrets and best practices as shared by some of the top leaders in the industry. This podcast is brought to you by SaaS MQL, the account-based marketing agency that helps SaaS companies land six-figure deals with highly targeted campaigns by combining intent data, automation, and a proven methodology. SaaS MQL can help your company generate millions of dollars in sales opportunities within just a few months. To learn more, go to sasmql.com. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Demand Generation Club podcast. I'm your host, Franco Caporale. Our guest today is Brandy Epolito, Vice President of Marketing at School Admin. School Admin is a strategic enrollment management system designed to help schools thrive and is trusted by over 500 of the world's most successful institutions. Brandy excels at building marketing organization and engines from scratch. She is constantly learning and she enjoys being part of a fast-paced, driven team. She believes marketing is as much about driving measurable performance as it is about creativity and storytelling. So I'm really happy to welcome today Brandy Epolito, Vice President of Marketing at School Admin. Brandy, it's great to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Awesome. So I I like to start right away. Tell us a little bit about your background, your career, introduce yourself to to our uh, to our audience, and how did you end up becoming the VP of Marketing at School Admin? Sure. So I'm Brandy Epolito, VP of Marketing at School Admin. Uh, we create enrollment management solutions to help private uh, and independent K through 12 schools thrive. So attract, enroll, and retain more students. Um, I've been in marketing for a little over a decade now. Really, it started with my days as an intern uh, at LSU Sports Properties, helping to market uh, LSU Athletics. And ever since then, I've fell in love with it, and I can't get enough of it. So uh, for the past 10 years, I've worked in in marketing, in B2B, um, and B2C. And for the last Um, since grad school, really, which I graduated from uh, the University of Texas evening MBA program in 2016. So what is that? Five years now, I've been working in marketing for tech. So and it's been uh, such a fun, such a fun ride. How do you compare the B2B versus B2C marketing since you experienced both? It's a great question. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not really all that different, right? It's figuring out what do people want? And how can we give that to them? And how can we... um, get them excited to talk to us. So it's really not all that different. I would say for the B2C companies I've worked for, which were smaller, the biggest difference is uh, in B2B is working with the sales team. So, you know, working with big sales forces and how do we enable them and give them more tools to sell versus the B2C companies I worked for were um, more like direct to consumer uh, or on the website. And before school, Alvin, you were a uh, uh, clear head, you were director of marketing. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about um, that step? I think you also had a pretty good ride there. Yeah, so the past two companies have been a lot of fun. Um, I started at Clearhead when we were about 50 people. Um, and after two years, we were acquired by Accenture Interactive. Um, so, you know, taking them from uh, not much of a marketing team to having one to getting acquired was really fun to be part of that. And then I came in um, to school admin. 50 people is my sweet spot, apparently. So I hired at school admin when we had about 50 employees. And then as of um, this spring, we were acquired by a company called Final Sight. 
Nice. Congratulations. A true acquisition the last two companies is remarkable. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> and so um, a school admin, tell us a little more, uh, what you, like which type of customer are you trying to engage? Who do you work with? You say K-12, are this like normally large institution? Is it US only? Like who are you, who are you guys serving and uh, what's your, uh, what's your value? So we serve mostly private and independent K through 12 schools in the United States. We do have some customers in Canada and abroad, but for the most part, they are in the U.S. Um, we make tools to help help schools um, attract and recruit students and families. Um, so that's tools to apply to these private schools. To um, to it kind of is it's part of it's kind of outreach for schools, if you think like outreach.io for schools um, to help them have those one-to-one, but really personalized conversations at scale to build um, deeper relationships with the families they serve or hope to serve. And so we're mostly focused on the admissions and enrollment office. And we also have um, tools for tuition billing. So we work with the business office and also the head of school because enrollment is a crucial piece of a school success. Awesome. And tell us about your team today as school admin. Obviously, you joined, I think, pretty early. Uh, how's, how's your team today? Sure. I was the first um, dedicated marketing hire at school admin. Um, and we're still lean and mean. I started when we were 50 people, and we're really not truly much bigger than that. Um, I guess prior to the acquisition, now I'm part of a 15-person marketing team. Um, but prior to the acquisition, it was uh, me. And then I have um, someone on my team focused on events. And then I have someone on my team focused on uh, content. So we're still we're still very lean. And then I work with an amazing roster of outsourced talent that helps us kind of punch in over our weight. Nice. How, how did it change after the acquisition in terms of like your daily routine or... Uh you know, your, your processes, was it like a very drastic uh, change or uh, not too much? You know, it, with any acquisition, there's always lots of drastic change. I'd say. <laughs> uh, with Clearhead, we were going from, I started when we were 50 people, we were up to around a hundred and then we got acquired by Accenture Interactive, which, you know, Accenture is over 450,000 employees. Yeah. So that was a really big shift in the way just about everything was done. Um, with school admin, we were around, um, you know, 50 employees and got acquired by a company, Final Sight, that's 150 employees. So going from 50 to 150 is much different than going from 100 to 450,000. So less of a culture shock than the last acquisition, but certainly um, we're still figuring out what are the best ways to integrate our brands and our companies and our efforts and how can we kind of dedupe some of the things we're doing to allow us to use those resources to do bigger things um so it's definitely a work in progress still it's still very new but um it's been uh, really wonderful being part of their team nice very nice uh perfect so i would like to talk about your experience in particular because what struck me is how you you join a company very early like pretty much you're the first marketing hire and then that company goes and gets acquired a couple of years later, three years later. So you have obviously to have built some some infrastructure there. And I think I like I like to to get some to learn some lessons from you on how do you uh, join a pre early stage company and build a marketing engine where where there is none basically. So what what are some of the things that you look at when you join the company as the first marketing hire? It's a great question. Um, I would say that 
both school admin and clearhead I came into in a really lucky position in that the CEOs at both companies really recognized the importance of marketing and the value of marketing. And as a marketer, you realize how important that is to have, you know, an ally and and the CEO um, that recognizes the importance. Uh, what they both lacked, I think, were the time or the focus to really lean in heavily on marketing to, to scale as fast as they wanted to. So that's where I came in. I don't have a set playbook that I roll out. Um, it's more seeing what might fit um, each specific company. And I will say, I think as all of us, we learn and kind of hone in what might work, what might not what might not work, what might work for the next company. Um, and so I think the playbook's gotten a little bit better each time, but there's no set, you know, set in stone path that I take. Um, a lot of it's talking to, so much of it begins with research, talking to our customers to see why they're customers in the first place, what attracted to them, it what attracted them to us, um, you know, what they're looking for in a vendor or a partner. And then I also do tons of internal stakeholder interviews to see what they think's working, what problems stand in the way of the goals we're trying to achieve. And of course, get my hands on any Salesforce data or data from the marketing automation platforms to see um, you know, what the data says about what's working, what's not, and then kind of match that up against what I heard from the internal stakeholder interviews because they don't always necessarily align, <laughs> align exactly. Do you have a particular tech stack that you like and you usually implement in the companies that you go or you try to kind of adapt depending on the company? So I am a HubSpot girl. Absolutely. I love HubSpot <laughs> for marketing automation. Um, we use that paired with Salesforce. And then um, we actually recently transitioned pre-acquisition and we're using HubSpot for both our marketing automation and CRM. Um for, for me, it makes a lot of sense because I'm coming in with a very lean, often um, green team as well. And I think um, uh, HubSpot has really fast you know, speed to value um, and you can do it without having in-house design or in-house developers, which is something that I don't always uh, have the luxury of having on these smaller teams. So for us, it works. I know it's not ideal for everyone though. What about from a project management perspective? Because obviously you have all these things that you're going to build. Is there a particular tool that helps you uh, executing on that? Because I know everyone yeah. has the, its own. Definitely. I'm an Asana fangirl. I Asana. love Asana. Um, and I, I will give all the credit to Clearhead for this. They have an amazing system and process that they use for Asana. And I have just... Um, I, I fully love it. I run my personal life on Asana and I run my professional <laughs> life on Asana and all of our projects. So I love it. Interesting. Very cool. Um, so basically once you, once you have established, you know, the, the goals and what, what needs to be done, what is typically a common problem with companies at those stage that you see, that you saw, you know, in your last experiences? I think a lot of times they've found the fit, but they have trouble making sure everyone knows about it. Um, so a lot of it is how do they get the awareness and get the word out there? Um, one great phrase that I've um, I've adopted from a former colleague is um, RT bits, reasons to be in touch. Um, a lot of times you just need some really good reasons to be in touch um, to with prospects. 
and what, what can we give sales, especially, um, what RT bits can we give them to reach out to? So they're not, Hey, buy from us, buy from us, buy from us, but hi, we put out this really great, um, piece that I think will help you in your day-to-day life. How about you read it and tell us what you think? Um, and I think just that alone, having a really useful reason to be in touch shifts the conversation from, you know, selling to let's have a conversation. Now we're on the same page. And also adds value to any kind of interaction versus, like you said, let's just meet and and hear a sales pitch. <laughs> it's I totally yeah. I think it's all about that. What's your hiring strategy when you join a company like that small? Because I assume your budget won't be you know you can hire ten people right away, right? No, it's usually a pretty small <laughs> budget. That's um, exactly right. Um, I figure out what the budget is and kind of see what can we do with what we have, of course. Um, For school admin, it was really important for us to have um, someone that could focus on content. Um, So I started there for it. And then um, design and development were really important because before I was willing to invest a lot of money into um, anything to drive demand through the website, I wanted to make sure we first had a website that would convert when people landed there. Um, and I wasn't confident that the current iteration, you know, the, the first iteration I inherited of the website would do that. So I started there to, um, but outsource, um, design and development so we could start with a website redesign once we had kind of had those conversations with customers and prospects and did the, the due diligence to find out what we needed the website to, to say and do. And, uh, is there a role in particular that you like always to have internal that you think cannot be outsourced? That's a good question. No, um, I I think, so I say I have someone focused on content, but really she's a utility player that can kind of pick it all up. She's amazing. Um, And I think having someone that you can kind of lean on for that, she's a rigid project manager and make sure like execution is the name of the game. Um, I think having someone that can execute when you're such a lean team and make things happen uh, is so important. Because we don't have, you know, ideas are really exciting and great, but they have to actually um, get out the door to make a difference. Yeah, I, I definitely can relate on that. Um, I know talking to a lot of VP of marketing, they they think, you know, outsourcing content, especially, you know, mid-funnel content is really, really hard because you get all these yep. generic pieces that don't add a lot of value. What, how is your experience in, in that? Yeah, that was actually going to be my first answer was content because it is hard to get it right. Although we have um, one amazing writer that we work with now that's outsourced and she gets it. Um, I think the important thing, one, there are so many writers, you have to find the right one. And that's easier said than done if you're going to outsource or hire, really. It's it's hard either way to find great writing talent. Um, I think the other thing is we don't just hand her, you know, a couple sentences and say, go do this. It's, it's more like, let's have a conversation where I pitch it to you and tell you the positioning and like some data to back it up and conversations, you know, they need the context um, to make it. So, and we've worked with her for two years now. So she gets it. I think she feels like an extension of the team. I think I was lucky because I've, I at Clearhead, I struggled to find an outsourced writer that could do that. We never really nailed it. Um, at school admin, I feel very lucky to have found the writer that we work with. That's awesome. That's fantastic. And so I, I like to hear more about your, let's call it campaign playbook or your uh, um, 
demand generation playbook once you join these companies. Uh, like from our conversation, you have a very interesting framework. I would like to expand a little bit. So how how do you approach that? So when I came to school admin, um, my kind of marketing vision had three pieces and I wanted to become the go-to resource for inspiration and best practices for independent school professionals. You know, I want to be the place they turn to when they needed to learn to be better at their jobs or um, expand their skills. The second part was that I wanted to um, kind of that phrase, no one gets fired for buying IBM. I wanted us to become the safest and most obvious choice when it comes to purchasing software like ours. And then the third piece was to become um, to become thought of as a trusted advisor within the industry. How do we become that trusted advisor for folks in the space? So it's kind of a three-part approach for us. This is very interesting. So can you expand on, on the first one? So how do you become the thought leader? Because this is another thing that is easier said than done since everyone is trying to be a thought leader, but it's not enough to just um, you know publish a couple of blog posts. So how how is your approach on that on that first part? I agree. It's totally easier said than done. <laughs> um, I think a big piece of it is figuring out what problems do the people that we serve have and how can we help them solve those problems? I think that's a big piece of it, right? Like where are they struggling in their careers? Where are they failing to, to connect the dots? Where do they not have enough information or where do resources not exist to serve them on something they're concerned about? So I think that's where a lot of those customer conversations come in play is how do I figure out what they need help with to, to excel in their jobs and to become the hero? Um, and if you can answer that, then I think it actually, you have more ideas than you can run with in a set amount of time. Um, so for us, it was, you know, how can we create ebooks and webinars and white papers um, that don't just get put out there, but that people really care about when they come out. And I think it, that really hinges on helping them solve real problems that make their jobs easier. Do you have a, a content syndication strategy or like, how do you put that content in front of them? Because even if it's very valuable until they know about it, right, they, they won't be able to consume it. Right. If you build it, will they come? Not, <laughs> yeah. not always. Um, so for us, it's about getting a lot of mileage out of the content and repurposing as much as we can. Um, as far as getting more eyes on it, we try to feature people from the space, colleagues that they might know, uh, other people in their network. The more you feature uh, other companies and brands, the more those companies and brands will share it. So we try to do that because then you kind of expand your reach already because you have ambassadors for your content essentially because they're featured and want to kind of trumpet it just like you're doing this podcast i'm sure i'll share the podcast it expands the reach right um then exactly. We'll, <laughs> exactly um don't forget don't neglect um asking your employees to share on social and their email signature um we'll do organic social we'll do paid social um we just really think of all of the different areas we can reuse it a lot of it also if we create a white paper, we turn it into maybe eight blog posts from one white paper. We also turn it into maybe two um, conference presentations that we keep pointing back to. I turn it into um, a sales outreach sequence that the sales team can use. So it's kind of repurposing this into the, um, into you know a few different flavors from the same one piece of content to get lots of eyes pointing back to it. That's fantastic. And I'm even more interested in the second part, which I really like about the nobody gets fired for buying IBM or Oracle. So nobody gets fired for buying school admin. How did you, how do you achieve that? Um, so I wanted to think, how do we become 
obvious and safe. Um, one of my former, um, someone I worked with at Clearhead that I still uh, just really lean on as a professional who would always say, um, when someone makes a decision to buy a new piece of software, it's kind of a putting your badge on the line moment, right? They're advocating for your software, depending on the budget size. Like they could be putting, they could be risking to a certain extent their um, reputation for your company. So how do we de-risk that for this person that's advocating for us? Um, for me at School Admin, we have a ton of raving fans. We're really lucky to have customers that truly love us. Um, getting case studies here has been the easiest job of my life. Wow. <laughs> case studies are not always easy. Um, as any marketer knows, they have been really easy because people are so excited to share it. So leveraging the voice of the customer, how can we um, get case studies? How can we get them talking about us on social? Um, a big part of it was also, um, we did some G2 review campaigns. We never asked anyone to say anything good. We asked them to share their honest opinion. And luckily, again, they really love us. Um, so we have tons of great G2 reviews. We've become um, leaders on the grid, high performers. And then again, we leverage those. Um, we get more mileage out of those by having sales use those quotes. Well, you'll use them on our marketing content. Um, we'll lean back on that and point to G2. So it kind of keeps going. That's awesome. Do you think, uh, where do you see more value on the G2 reviews or your own internal case studies? That's a good question. I would say G2, even though companies are reaching out to customers to run review campaigns, I do think it's seen more as a an independent source of reviews. Um, it's not on our website. It's not sent by our sales team. So I think that kind of brings some credibility to it. I will say, um, and I think we were talking about this before, um, some people want to measure like how many leads did you get from G2? And that's yeah. not how I see it. Like we don't see it as a, tons of leads coming through to us from G2, although I think some companies do. Um, for us, it's really about having that independent source with credibility with reviews that we can point to and leverage especially once they're in the pipeline you know use those to keep pushing them through um so for us it's not about like leads coming directly from g2 it's more like using g2 to fuel our conversations and our ops through through the funnel makes sense makes sense and the last part about the the trusted advisor thing that you mentioned that requires another shift on top of your uh, marketing efforts? Yeah, a lot of um, becoming the trusted advisor centers on helping the sales team have conversations that aren't necessarily about selling from the beginning. Um, so one example, and again, this goes back to getting more mileage out of your content. Um, our schools, just like tech companies, are focused on um, customer retention, but for them, it's retaining students. So we did a white paper on student retention. And... Um, to help our sales team become trusted advisors, we kind of developed this white paper on retention, included some stats from a survey, I should have said. Um, so to help the sales team kind of leverage the content and become seen as trusted advisors, we gave them a little, basically, you know, 15-minute assessment that they could do on, the, on a call with prospects where they take them through a set of questions and help advise them on their retention strategy for students and give them some nuggets that they can take away and immediately apply in their school to keep their students, um, keep their students enrolled. So how do we give the sales team the tools they need to not just sell, um, but to strategize with clients and to have those conversations earlier on um, that aren't necessarily about selling, but when it comes 
time to buy, they already have that relationship established with customers and it's a much easier sell when the time comes. I think at the beginning, you mentioned how you had a great relationship with the CEOs who really believe in marketing. How is your relationship, I mean, in your even past experience with the sales team and sales leaders since you're coming from the point of view of marketing? I've been really, really lucky um, to be essentially, you know, we feel like one and the same um, at both Clearhead and School Admin. The sales team and marketing teams are super, super close. Um, sales is incredibly thankful for the work we do. We're incredibly thankful for the work sales does. Um, you know, one doesn't happen without the other. Um, so we're just really, I feel thankful for that. We've been very, very tight. Um, and I think a lot of that is because we are such small companies that silos haven't been built up over years. And the bigger the team gets, I think the harder it is to maintain that closeness because you in, you operate a bit independently. But for us, being such small teams, it's been really easy. That's fantastic. I have one last question for you, Brandy. This was very helpful, by the way, I think for anyone who is either just got hired as a first marketing person in a small startup or is planning to do that. Um, what is one, one thing that is top of mind for you for the next six months? You know, this, this was an interesting year. What is, what is the, the thing that is top of mind? Maybe a problem that you're trying to solve or an opportunity that you see that, that has very great potential that you want to uh, tackle the next six months? So um, having, you know, coming from being the VP of marketing at a company with a team of three um, to being now VP of marketing at a company with a team of about 15, um, I get the opportunity to specialize um, at this new company, which, you know, I kind of wore all the hats at school admin and now I'm specializing a bit because we're a much bigger team at final site. Um, so for me personally, well, first of all, I go on maternity leave in just a few weeks. So I'll be focused on the baby. Oh, congratulations. That, <laughs> that's definitely the biggest one. <laughs> that, that will be part of it for sure. So for me, um, I'm, I'm actually going on maternity leave soon. So part of what I'm focusing over the next few months will be safely uh, getting a baby here and keeping that baby healthy. But beyond that, what I'm very excited to focus on at Final Sight um, is leaning more into product marketing and client marketing, which I think there's such a, you know, they're so inextricably linked that you really can't separate the two. Um, they've never really had anyone to focus on either of those areas specifically. So right now I'm working with both teams, you know, with product, with sales, with client success, with marketing, and how do we kind of bridge the gap between all of those to help us um, build an engine for those two, those two areas. So I'm really excited to, to bring that to life. That's super exciting. Fantastic. That's awesome. Brandy, this was uh, really great. I truly enjoyed the conversation. So thanks again for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. <laughs>